For Tom Brown, the road to professional football was a less trodden one. At 25, after strong showings in junior football, he stepped out onto the rugby park pitch as a Premier Division striker. In this Killy Histories big match, Tom looks back at the opening day of season 1993-94. Kilmarnock were back in the top flight, and it was a debut to remember. I'm Gordon Gillen, and this is Tom Brown. Bobby was obviously injured, but he was—he wasn't long-term injured. He was coming back into the team, you know. So I felt as though this was my chance. I think it was the night before the manager told me, which in the in the actual starting eleven, because I thought I might make the bench, etc. You know, he might go with like Ian Portis or something, supporting George McCluskey up front, or you know, Danny Craney, these sort of guys. But he threw me in, told me the night before, just wanted to impress my teammates, my manager, the fans. And I would have been quite happy with that without scoring, as long as I played well and we won. Because ultimately it's three points. You know, we're, we're in a Premier League of 12 teams when we know it's going to be nine at the end of that season. And you're like, we need to pick up points early um, and get a good start so that we remain in this league. So, you know, I was just fortunate. Good cross. Uh, it was Mark Riley put the ball in. Or Mark Skillen, I'm not too sure, but just took a touch and be honest, it was a bit of a trundler and it was hanging through the keeper's legs or something like that. But the feeling, Gordon, is, you know, as I say, I, I thought I'd missed out in professional football. My dream my whole life was to play professional football and to score in your debut. You know, I lost my shit, to be honest. It was like, it was the most amazing feeling. And I remember thinking, and this is a horrible thing now when I think back, but I remember thinking, I hope this finishes 1-0. I don't, I don't want this to win 4-0 because my goal might be lost in that. You know, and it's a total selfish thing, but I think I was I was due it just for that moment, you know. Um, so I just to a trundling goal in, we managed to um, stave off Dundee for the rest of the game. We won 1-0 and played well. and It was it was just amazing. It was, I, it's, you know, you can't really love something like that. You know, even if you score another goal and even the Celtic goal, even though it's a really good goal, that first goal on your debut, you know, one is the game, got his three points. Nah, it was it was the best ever. And you're not going to call it a chest volley? Nah, there's, no, no. <laughs> well, a chest trundler, try that. <laughs> what was interesting about that game as well, Gordon, was that obviously that night I went home. I actually hurt my back during the game, a bit of a, a spasm or whatever, but I went home that night and me and my girlfriend at the time, my wife-to-be, we Linda, we went to the local pub, had a few beers, and everybody's, oh, congratulations, and all this kind of stuff. And it was brilliant, you know, it was a great me night. But I remember we going back up to a wee flat, and um, the next morning, I goes down to the shops to get the papers, the Sunday papers as normal. But I always take, you know, we were poor at the end of the day, so I was taking glass bottles back, you know, bottles of juice, um, ginger bottles, we call them. So I was taking them back in a bag, not for the recycling as much as getting the 10p back or whatever it was at the time, you know. <laughs> so I handed this in for the papers and the news agent knew me and he says, he says, I can't believe Tam Brown is bringing back ginger bottles to buy papers 
when he's in the team of the day of the paper that you're buying, you know. So I was in team of the day with, and I was up front with Mark Hately, um, and obviously it was the team of the Premier League that, that Sunday morning. That's what the Sunday Mail, I think it was, done. So he, I get some slagging for that, as you can imagine, bringing, bringing bottles back to cash in on the paper that I'm actually uh, quoted in, if you like. Good killing pressure now. This time Gus McPherson had a blast. Pittman headed over. But a corner to the home side. And from it, Killy went one up. Debut striker Tom Brown controlled it beautifully before slotting it past Mathers. What about your opponents? How do you think the enjoyed or otherwise playing against Tom Brown? Well, that's interesting because obviously, as I say, I came into senior football 25 at Kilmarnock and went right into the Premier League straight away from junior football. So I was coming up against guys that, you know, uh, I'd looked at on the TV and thought I could never compete with these guys and stuff. But I remember... Obviously, I had a bit of ability to hold myself in the air uh, for a small guy. There was a few games against big teams like Celtic and Rangers and teams like that where you know balls would come into the box and uh, high balls, and I'd beaten. I was beating guys like you know Tom Boyd, Richard Goff, these guys in the air. To be fair, they were very complimentary, you know, because I was winning balls and playing well against these teams, and they were turning around when the ball was away and stuff and saying things like. God almighty, man, how the hell did you beat me there? And all this kind of stuff, you know, and keep it going and very uh, encouraging, to be honest. So um, I've actually feigned for the original question. What was it, Gordon, again? (laughs) (laughs) Whether they enjoyed playing against you? Oh, yeah. Well, at at first, in the first season, obviously, I think they struggled because uh, I was an unknown sort of quantity, if you like. And as I say, uh, a bit of prowess in the air and stuff like that. They struggled to sort of deal with me but as the seasons went on I think they obviously managed to um, keep me at bay a bit more Um, but certainly that first season was a bit of a shock for them I think. After your debut Tom, Tommy Burns said there's no many guys from Govan who are quiet and unassuming but I didn't think for a minute he would have made an impact like that. Did you surprise yourself with the quick start you made against Dundee? Yeah, to be honest, obviously I've got to say yeah. Um, obviously I just signed a couple of months before it and done pre-season uh, with the first team squad. And you've got to remember, I was unemployed at the time and I was 25 years old. So when Tommy Burns signed me, I just lived every boy's dream by becoming a professional footballer. So I did say at that point, I'm going to grab, as I said earlier, every minute, every day and try and get better, try and get in the team, try and play a game or two because... Kilmarnock had just been promoted and you've got Bobby Williamson and George McCluskey and these guys, experienced, excellent professionals and great players. They were holding down the positions, obviously, up front. So I just thought I'll try and do the best that I can. And I think what made me realise a bit more that I could you know, hold my own with these guys was that we went to Ireland in a pre-season tour for five or six days and we played two or three games but my debut there against Finn Harps, you know, I managed to score a goal and I created, you know, I, I felt as though I could play with the guys round about me and make the runs that they were wanting me to make and join in and etc. So that gave me confidence. I still didn't anticipate starting that game, first game of the season. But fortunately for me, Bobby picked up a wee injury 
and was struggling for the first game. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm just assuming this, the manager never said this, but I'm assuming he, he thought, I've shown up well in pre-season, I've shown up well in the pre-season games, let's just throw this boy in. Didn't really have any, any other options, I don't believe. But uh, yeah, so he's threw me in and I've just gave everything in that first game. You know, I, was, I wasn't going to leave the field with any anything other given 100% and shows so I could have no regrets, you know. It's probably quite unusual, and as you were saying, for some of the fans who haven't seen you playing or didn't see you play, it seems quite a, a jump to go from junior football to starting in, in the Scottish Premier Division. And I just wonder, was Tommy Burns the kind of manager who would take a punt? How much of a gamble was it for Tommy Burns to bring you into the, the squad and the club? I don't think it was. It wasn't massive gamble as such because... When Tommy signed me, I, I don't think they paid a lot of money to Glen Afton to sign me. I think it was around about £5,000, according to Alan Ruff, because he always tells me the story about how stingy can one look where at the time, because the Glen Afton had, had signed me from Queen of the South for £5,000, so they didn't make any money on us. <laughs> but as Big Ruffy said, he says, I couldn't not give you the opportunity you know, to go there, even though Kilmarnock weren't budging. So obviously, financially, it wasn't a big a big leap, but obviously I think his intention for myself was that I'll be a good backup at some point, not anticipating that I would come in straight away and score a goal in my debut and you know have a good game, etc. and things like that. So I think I was more just cover, a signing for cover. And if it didn't work out, then you know I could easily just drift off again back into the juniors or whatever. Because Ultimately, I, I remember doing my apprenticeship in the shipyard for, for four years and I was paid more money then than I was being offered to sign with Kilmarnock. <laughs> I got offered £160 a week with £90 appearance money. But it didn't matter what it was going to be. I was I was signing anyway for, for nothing. Just having the opportunity to be a professional, you know. So I hope you got that renegotiated quite quickly. Um, I, I, fortunately, I did. Obviously, after a, two or three months, I think it was... The manager came to us and says that he wanted to sign another contract. So, yeah, I was I was able to renegotiate that. I was playing at Glen Afton. Um, I actually wasn't working at the time. I was unemployed at the time. So I was playing at Glen Afton um, and obviously I was picking up, you know, um, some money there. And I had a part-time job in a bar that I was picking up some money from. But the interesting thing is that Clybank were short of players. You obviously maybe know this story, Gordon, but they were short of players one night in a game against Kilmarnock. And I got drafted right into the first team game for Clydebank against Kilmarnock. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday night over in the old Kilbowie. And obviously managed to play well against Kilmarnock and we went 2-0. I never scored or anything, but I think we went 2-0. So the next day, obviously, Ruffy contacted me and says, look, Clydebank, what is saying you? you know, part-time, etc., because uh, they were part-time at the time. He says, but Tommy Burns wants you to come in and train full-time with them with a view of going full-time. So, obviously, my head was spinning a bit. I was like, right, OK. So I spoke to Jack Steedman on the phone, uh, and he was saying, look, son, we've got a game against Aberdeen this weekend. We'll bring you right in. We're playing at Petaudry in the Scottish Cup. And, you know, um, what chance this is for you come and sign for us? So I had to tell him, look, I want to take the opportunity to try to train full-time with a chance of going full-time. So he wasn't best pleased, as you can imagine. <laughs> so he says, we're playing against Aberdeen, son. Do you know what you're getting up here and all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, look, I, I just need to take it. He says, well, if it doesn't work out, oh, sorry, it's actually said, when it doesn't work out, 
with Kilmarnock. Don't think we're going to be signing you, you know. So I took that that chance myself because I was going in for about three months or so, Gordon, you know, just picking up the expenses from Kilmarnock on a Friday, which we'd been unemployed that I needed at the time, you know. So I used to train all week and then go into the office um, uh, with Sharon and Anne Clark, and they were organising things in the office and stuff, and they would sort my expenses for me for the week and stuff like that. And that's what kept me going, uh, along with, you know, the part-time bar job and stuff. I, I had that opportunity then where I could have signed part-time straight away with Clyde Bank and seen what happened, but I took a chance. I and mean, luckily for me, it worked out, but it could easily have, have not worked out as well, you know. Previous occasions, you know, I signed with Queen of the South, it didn't work out. I signed uh, trials with St Mirren, Stranraer, you know, during my junior career. They never worked out. So to say, I, I wouldn't say I was 100% confident that the, the full-time thing was going to work out. But like everything, like every young boy, Gordon, you know, I mean, what you want to do is play professional football. That's what you want to be, you know. You grow up watching your Douglas and your Jordans and your Jimmy Johnsons and things like that. And you go, God, how good would it be to play on that pitch, you know, the way these guys have and to be paid to actually play football. So it wasn't much a gamble that way and uh, in that sense, as I say, because I'd already, you know, been knocked back two or three times. So, but yeah, it's always knew that I could, you know, go back to junior football. I was well respected in junior football and I knew that I would get a game with a good team there. Um, so I thought, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll give the full time a go and see what happens. Did you do anything different, do you think? Because obviously the Kilmarnock trial worked out and it worked out very well in the long run. But did you do anything different during that initial period, do you think? No, I don't think so. What, what made a difference for me was the actual full-time fitness training. Because playing junior football, etc., you're only training a couple of nights a week and playing on a Saturday and things. But, you know, I think what took my game to a different level was the hard training that uh, Tommy Burns and Billy Stark put us through, you know, and especially the pre-season. Boy, I played with Commander Paul Flexney way back, centre-half. Like Flex used to pick me up in Shawlands because I never had a car or anything like that, as you can imagine. So he used to pick me up. So I used to have to get a bus to Shawlands and Big Flex would pick me up and, and we'd go. But one time during pre-season, quite near on pre-season, it was really, really tough training sessions, as you can imagine. Going. Mm-hmm. But we went up to Queen's Park in Glasgow for a session and, and Tommy and Billy took us around, around the whole of Queen's Park doing different things and we went on this big long run at one point that Big Starkey loved to do and drag you out and his big long legs and you know he was older older at the time and stuff but he was still so fit and he still is probably so he would he would increase the pace and then slow down and increase the pace and you'd be running for you know a good half an hour or so it's something ridiculous you know but I remember near the end I was wanting to pull out and you know I'm like I've I've gone here you know and and that's the whole point of preseason is pushing yourself to your limits and stuff. But there was something inside me that says, I can't be the first to give up. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to impress here. I, I need to keep going. I need to keep going. And then Big Flex just collapsed. He went, <laughs> his legs went, and he just buckled and went down and stuff like that. And because Big Flex obviously was the first to go, Big Starkey kind of slowed it down and then stopped it shortly after. So I'll always be thankful to Big Flex for that day for him to go down the first <laughs> rather than me. Because if I went down, you know, it would be looked on you know, poorly by the manager and, and, and staff and stuff. So. What kind of squad was that like? What kind of environment was that like to come into? Well, as you can imagine, at first of all, I was very nervous, you know, coming into, you know, coming for junior football, how I was going to be judged, because the way I played football was for the fans 
um, obviously, but for my peers as well, you know, because it's them you want to impress because if you impress them, then they're going to bring you into the fold and make you part of the squad, make you part of the team, you know. So, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I came from a good junior team that would win the Scottish Cup and things. So it was good, a few ex-professionals there that I learned off of and stuff. But when I got to training with, you know, your Tommy Bunsies and your Billy Starks and Williamson, McCluskey, Craney, Porteous, you know, guys, experience, Gus McPherson, oh, and obviously Raymond as well. You're like, this is this a different level altogether, you know? Um, but it's like everything, is, and it's the old cliche, when you start a football match, you know, you're nervous and your, your anticipation's there, but once it kicks off, you know, it goes out the window and every training session was like that, you know, we just we went in and if it was wee games and things like that, um, you would just, as soon as, as soon as it started, that was a, it's a game of football and you just concentrated on doing the best you could for your team at that time, so. But yeah, no, the, the squad was great. I was worried about joining in with these professionals who've been professionals for a long time, how they would judge me and things. But I think after two or three training sessions, they realised that, well, I hope they realised that I was able to, you know, play football in that, in, in that sort of team. Who in that team, Tom, did you, who got the best out of you as a player? Or what would be the partnership person who you thought, yep, I enjoy playing with them? Um, it's an interesting one, Gordon, because obviously played with a lot of strikers through the years. We come on with different different guys, um, and obviously different midfielders and things like that. And, but who got the most out of me in my first season is obviously Tommy Burns because he was my hero growing up. Obviously at Celtic and things like that. I couldn't even talk to him. You know, it was I, I, it was always tongue tied whenever he spoke to me and things like that because it was in awe of this guy. You know. He got the most in me the first season and stuff like that. But after that first season, when I'd actually done so well, it was a lot of con- gave, gave me a lot of confidence. And but I loved to be. We played a standard four four two. Generally, we never deviated from that. I think in my four years, I think it was maybe just the odd occasion we changed to a different system. But that was the sort of thing back then. So um, at the start, obviously there was either me, Bobby Williamson, and me, and uh, George McCluskey up front. And that sort of first season, then Paul Wright was signed, and and then that's started playing with Paul and Stevie Maskery, and um, and then Jim McIntyre was signed, and I kind of drifted out of it for a bit, and it was more Paul Wright and, and Jim McIntyre and stuff. But I would say I linked up well with all of them. You know, we, we were always at the same same level, same frame of mind, and things like that. And we could sort of read each other. It's always one short, one long, and try to link up as best that we could and stuff. I would say. All the players I played with, they, they knew my capabilities and my limited capabilities to all the players. So they played they played to my strengths, I would say. Tom, just talking about Paul Wright, uh, Paul Wright has done an episode of this series and I asked him if there was somebody when he was starting out because he had a kind of a shaky start. Um, well, not a shaky start, that's unfair. He was injured and it, it took him a while to get his fitness up to the level he needed it to be, a long-term injury. And I asked Paul if there was somebody who helped him to adjust. And he said, Tom Brown, even though Paul was in as a rival to your position, he said that you were always there. Come on, come on. You know, you, you can do it. You're a good player. And you kept him motivated and asked Paul if you were like that in the dressing room generally. And he said, I don't know if it was generally. He was just a kind of a nice guy. And I wonder, Tom, I'm going to ask you a similar question to Paul, which is what would make you the person to motivate Paul in that kind of way? 
Um, I think, obviously, when any new player joins the team, um, especially if, as, as you see, Paul picked up injuries at the start and maybe wasn't. Um, and he had this reputation, obviously, of being a great goal scorer at Aberdeen, etc. Um, and these other teams. So I always knew Paul was a great goal scorer. And truth be told, when we did sign Paul Wright, I Instantly, as a striker, you know, a forward, you think, oh, geez, that's that's me, you know, that's me on the bench or whatever, um, or in the stand. So, but ultimately, it's the team that matters, you know. And if he's fit and and scoring the way Paul could score, then he he needs to be on the team for the for the team to win and pick up points and stay in the league and get through cup competitions and stuff like that. So, but. It was a new guy coming in the squad. I remember what it was like, as we mentioned earlier, when I came in and things like that. So I know exactly what it was like. We, I think we bonded, you know, quite soon. We, I can't remember, can't remember where we were, but we went away and we liked to play cards, like all, you know, old school players and stuff like that. Played them on the bus and away games and when we were staying away and stuff. So I remember one night Paul came in. Um, and again, I was a wee bit in the awe of Paul as well for what he'd done in professional football and what a great striker he was. So didn't know how he was going to come across, if he was going to come across Biggie, Billy Big Time and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But that first sort of card session we played when we were at an away game, we were maybe staying overnight. Or I can't really remember what it was, but I remember it was in a hotel and he came in. I can't remember if it was my room, but somebody's room. And it was like me and Gus McPherson and these guys were, were playing cards and, and Paul joined in. And just for there, we sort of hit it off. And do you know what I mean? And even though we were sort of rivals, we weren't rivals at times, we played together and we just had it off. And he was just a down to earth guy. And these illusions of grandeur that I thought he might have, he, he never had. And, you know, it's the usual, you, you don't judge people by by the cover, you know, you've got to get to know them and, and then you'll get a real character. So. so after that first card session, me and Paul sort of, you know, bonded, if you like. And, yeah, I thought we got on well for the for the time that I was there. But I remember we had small squad back then and you were only allowed, you know, two subs at the start and three subs, you know, obviously moving on and things. But it was a small squad and we had to rely on each other, you know, and get into games. Because ultimately, if you look at it from a personal point of view, you know, you want a new contract and you want the team to do well because the team's doing well, then you're going to get a new contract as well. And So even if you're not making it in the team, you want the team to win and you want the players to you know, perform well and things like that. So, no, yeah, it was, we were a close-knit group, I would say, and we kind of looked after each other. Um, as I say, the squad was small, so we all knew each other well and we had good banter in the dressing room. And So, yeah, it was, it was all about, it was like kind of brothers type idea, you know, you were just like, right, it's us against the world. Football saved my life, if, you've been, if I'm being brutally honest. Tommy Burns did because he gave me that chance to be a full-time professional footballer, even if it was just for a year and for 160 quid a week. He gave me that opportunity and I had no other opportunities other than that, you know. I'd worked in the shipyard for four years. I was a, a sheet metal worker to trade, but never enjoyed the job, never liked doing it. So I didn't know where I was going. As I, say, I was working in a bar part-time, but I wasn't going anywhere. So... Having that wee opportunity where Clyde Bank have players injured one night and uh, they had to recruit and went to Ruffy and he says, look, going along and play and everything just kicked off for there, you know. I was just, and that's, again, it's the old cliche, you know, people say right place at the right time. And that's what it was for me. I think what I turned it into was I'm going to make this everything, 
and this opportunity because I'm 25 years old. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to play professional football full time. So I'm going to give it everything. So it was luck, but I think, you know, after that, because I gave it everything, it managed to work out well, you know. Finance never really came into my football career at all. It was never paid well or anything like that. I wasn't a high earner as some guys are, but I was just happy to be being paid to do the job. And again, the cliche, the job that you love, you know. Educational. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, it's really true. I know, obviously, it was tough going and, and things like that, but I learned so much in Ayrshire Junior Football because even though it was tough and it was hard and the games against, you know, playing with Glen Afton against Cumnock and Auchinleck and things like that, these guys were, they were good players. They were good teams, really good, and really good players. So I think a lot of that gets missed and people think, well, it's just really hard and kicking each other down in there. So it's not at all. Um, but there was some rough and tumble games. I, can, I remember, you know, one time playing against Glen Afton and big Sam McCulloch was a big centre-half guy and he was huge, you know. But again, he was like Richard Goff later on and things. Very encouraging. Very, you know, as, as, the, as the ball's getting played away somewhere else, he'll, he'll talk away to you and say, oh, you've done well, wee man, and you you know, you know, this, and how the hell can you jump like that? You're not going to beat me the next time and all this kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was very educational. I learned a lot and it helped me get in training full time with professionals. And uh, I think it's a big contribution to how I've done well at Kilmarnock. See, when you're small like myself and, and you want to play football, no matter what level or what standard growing up, you've got to look after yourself. And I grew up with my older brothers um, and, and the area that I stay in. And, you know, we used to go out and play football games. I always played with an older group and they were hardlier, big, bigger boys, you know. So I was used to competing against guys that were bigger, stronger, and it made you, you know, stronger and being able to physically compete with them. I think it's quite an iconic moment for Kilmarnock fans. That square up with Peter Grant. Peter Grant absolutely scythes you down, takes issue with you being scythed down, runs up to square go you, and then something, there's something happens there that he backs away quite quickly. I don't know if that's how you remember it. I remember it was a, a corner for Celtic, I think, and then it's broke out, and then I've knocked it by him, and he's come in, and... He's obviously tried to bring me down and he's caught me just, you know, he's, he's missed me mostly, but he's caught me just near the end because we had a good breakaway. I remember that, that, you know, Celtic had a lot of players up to the corner and it was it was a breakaway for, for their corner. So I knocked it by him. So there was no reason for me to go down. But he was insinuating, as he does, Peter, Peter the pointer, as we everybody calls him. He was pointing in my face that I dived and things. Obviously, I was, I was raging the fact that we never get a chance to break away and score. And I couldn't believe he's pointing to me saying that I'm dived, you know, which I would never do. So I, th I just remember him pointing in my face and I think I've just grabbed him by the neck and threw him away. A lot of the fans say I punched him and things like that. I would, <laughs> I would never have done that at that stage. I've always let somebody else throw the first punch. <laughs> um, but no, it's just because he was pointing right in my face. I think I grabbed him by the neck and just threw him away. But, I was a wee bit annoyed that, you know, he sort of got away with that. I suppose that's the rules. But And the ref, you know, I think it was a straight red card, which I thought was maybe a bit harsh. But again, you know, the heat of the moment thing, I, I obviously lost it for a second, which, it, you know, I had the reputation of doing 
back in the day of just losing it for a few minutes. So I, I obviously lost it with Peter and I've grabbed his neck and threw him away. I've been sent off, but the realisation as I'm walking towards the tunnel is that, geez, I think I've cost my team here, you know, and that, that's ultimately what it's about. And because I've lost it, I'm thinking, geez, we've lost this game. Um, when I went into the dressing room, you know, how narrow the tunnel is down, obviously, come on up. So when I went into the dressing room, who's come running in behind me but Tommy Burns? And he was fuming, Gordon, as you can imagine, because he thought he'd had costed the game as well. He grabbed me, really, the, the shirt against the wall, and he was, and I don't, you know this, but Tommy had a reputation for when he was um, angry and stuff, he would have wee bits of spittle would start to. <laughs> So I've got Tommy Burns, you know, nose to nose, holding me against the wall, saying to me, if you've cost us this fucking game, boy, you're, you know, two weeks wages and you're this and you're finished and all this kind of stuff. So I've not only been sent off, maybe cost my team the game, but I'm sitting in the dressing room after being, you know, <laughs> assaulted by Tommy Burns. And I'm sitting there going, geez, that's me. I've, my professional career's over. It's it's back to the juniors for me. This, this is it done. But luckily for me, Mark Skilling, I think we were getting beat 2-1 at the time, Mark Skilling scored a goal. As Mark tended to do that first season, Mark Skilling was amazing. That first season I was there, he scored a goal and make it 2 each. So we finished the game with a point against Celtic. I know they were the greatest team at that time, but still a point against Celtic. And So the players came in and all that, and they were, all, they were great with me. You know, they said, look, it's just one of the things, just forget about it, get on with it. But then the manager called me into the office and says... You are so lucky, boy. You are so lucky. He says, you need to do something for, for Skilling. You need to sort him out because he's got you a right hole here. And I'm like, okay, boss, no bother. I never take anything like that back. It's, you know I mean? Obviously, I regret getting sent off, but I've got those good memories, it turns out, anyway, as well.
totally inspirational. An amazing manager, an amazing player, obviously, when he played. Amazing manager, I thought, especially for me, because he knew where I'd come from and the opportunity I had, and he knew I was grasping it. And he encouraged me the whole way, you know. Obviously, situations like that, he loses the plot every now and again and things. But, you know, it was a great combination with him and Starkey because Tommy was the the fiery one and they could lose it, you know, at at any point. But you would run through a brick wall for him, you know, the old cliche, but you would. And if he asked you to run run into a wall, you had to do it because whatever he said went and you just done whatever he asked. But Starkey was the calm one, so... Once he would come into the dressing room and do all his shouting and balling, Starkey would come in composed as anything and say, right, this is where it really went wrong. And, you know, uh, explain to us what we did wrong and what we should do better the next time. But yeah, he was fantastic manager, fantastic inspiration, fantastic person as well. Um, so, yeah, God rest him. The Kilmarnock teams you played in, and it's every season that you played with Kilmarnock, there were some big results against what you'd call the big teams. What was it about the team and the squad and the club that made that possible? Well, certainly, you know, the first season um, we had great results, you know, against Rangers um, and obviously Celtic as well. What made it possible, I think, was Burns and Stark because it was a game plan for us. We knew we were nowhere near as good as the opposition. The remit was, you know, to let them have the ball till you know, coming up to halfway and then press from the front. It was me. I started the press. As soon as I started pressing, everybody pressed. We pressed as a team. And it was all a case of let's press, get the ball back, and try and keep the ball. But it's difficult against teams like Rangers with all their superstars and their great players and stuff. So we, we took a couple of hidings off them. But, you know, the two games that stick in mind, obviously, for that first season was the 2 1 win at Ibrox. And, Obviously, the 2-0 win against Celtic at, at Rugby Park where they scored that uh, half-decent goal. <laughs> I, I don't think they knew how to deal with us at first because of that sort of hard press and because we weren't leaving them alone and they're just kicking ankles and, you know, making them make mistakes and things like that. But, you know, the, the, the game at Ibrox was great. You know, it was the first time I'd ever played at Ibrox. I know I was I was a substitute and stuff, but it was just amazing, you know, the inside Ibrook Stadium I'm going on to that pitch you know and there's 40 50,000 fans in there calling you a Fenian B and whatever you know and I remember warming up down the touchline and I'm a Fenian B at Ibrooks and then I'm warming up down the touchline at Parkhead and I'm an, an orange B at Parkhead so I was <laughs> wherever I was I was a certain something but yeah obviously the Ibrooks game brilliant Mark Roberts got us you know a goal and then Obviously, I got involved in the second goal, Bobby Williamson. What's interesting about that game is, and I never thought about it till later on, but I remember Rangers panicking and bringing big Duncan Ferguson on and having the Haightley and Ferguson up front and just piling high balls in. I'm like, these superstar players you've got in this team and you can't play round us to score a goal. Monty and, and big Craig Patterson were just absolutely amazing that day. They were just... I mean, you go. They're giving them five, five inches, six inches, but certainly Monty is anyway. And they were winning balls in the air and were defending like it was, you know, for their lives type idea. So that was that was an amazing because it was our first, obviously, old firm game back in the Premier League, and it's at Ibrox, and nobody's given us a chance. We must have been twenty to one to win that game or something like that. So to win two one was just phenomenal. 
obviously I stay in Govan right next to Ibrox. So I, I just came out and just walked home. My bag over my shoulder and walked home as if I'd just came home from, you know, a junior game with St Anthony's. Or, um, so that was that was fun as well. And I walked into the, the local pub um, and they all just cheered as soon as I walked in. You know, even the Rangers fans, because they were like, that is an unbelievable result. How the hell could Kilmarnock just been promoted, go to Ibrox against all these superstars and win, you know? So uh, that was that was that was phenomenal. Yeah, just the, the press as a team, the organization that we had. We only won a few games against the old firm, but it's because we were so well organized, I say. I must admit, during that 90 minutes though, Gordon, it's it's the end of the world if you lose, you know, if you win, it's the highest elation in the world. So so difficult in that sense when you're playing, but certainly after it, the game's done, there's nothing you can do about it, can't change it, can't change the result. So you may as well win or lose, just enjoy the situation and try and learn from it, you know. That's the way I looked at it anyway. Game's done now, whether it's an opponent, let's go for a beer, let's have a chat, let's have a laugh. That was always my frame of mind, yeah. I remember standing at the end, just looking up the stands, and obviously they'd all cleared because the Rangers fans are not happy, but I remember thinking, this, is, this might not ever happen again, you know, try and breathe it in. You know, you've, you've won, you've been part of a team that's won at Ibrox. And to be fair, after that, I never was. <laughs> I never was part of another team that won at Ibrox. So we always get doings. But yeah, it was, it was some result. Um, one of the best, I'd say, yeah. Was there a particular point where you thought, we're on to something here? I've obviously got a pessimistic side, Gordon, to be honest. I know it's a strange thing to say, but I used to think great things like that will not happen to me type idea, you know. But I think, that obviously, even the semi-final where Jim McIntyre scored the running goal, even at the end, I thought, I'm still not too sure here. But as soon as Jim scored that goal and I thought, we're going to win this. Weird. I just thought at that time, I mean, I, I don't think we knew our opponents at that time. I wasn't sure. I think it was Falkirk Celtic or something. I remember thinking, you know, no matter who it is, we're going to win this. I remember that at that time. What I was happy about was, because I wasn't playing at the time, I was, I was benched a lot because Jim and, and Paul were playing so well. So Jim McIntyre and Bunyan and Paul Wright were brilliant up front together. So I had no qualms. I had to be in the bench, but it still, it still hurts when you're not playing from the start, Gordon, you know? And I knew I kind of knew I was on my way out then as well at that stage, you know, that Bobby was looking elsewhere for for players and stuff. But I was a bit part player in in that run, if you like. I'm not not too sure how many minutes I actually played. But I remember I think it was the first round where I, I we won 2 0 and I scored a goal. And then obviously I came on for the last five minutes of the final, I think. So I always felt annoyed that I wasn't starting. I didn't feel as though I really contributed as such. But when I look back now, at the end of the day, I scored a goal in the run. I still came on in the last five minutes, even though I was the one marking the boy that scored the OG goal. can't remember his name right now uh, for Falkirk in the final. Neil Oliver, Oliver, I think it was. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So I didn't think I played much of a part at the time. 
But then, obviously, when I look back, you know, um, I suppose the whole squad played a part, you know, in encouraging even the ones that were left out, you know, for the final and for other games. was nothing but encouraging for the rest of the guys that were playing, wanting us to win and, and go through. But, yeah, it was a kind of dream come true again, getting to a final and actually winning, picking up the Scottish Cup winners medal was, was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Tom, I think Kilmarnock fans would want me to correct you on something there. I think they would suggest that you're the one who successfully played Neil Oliver offside for the goal. <laughs> well, I must admit my heart was in my mouth, Gordon, because, um, as I said, just came on and I think they had a corner or a free kick wide. And, and I think the defenders had said, you know, pick, pick him up. So I, I'm too busy watching Neil Oliver and then I, I turned to the ball and as the ball was coming in, I've turned and Neil Oliver's not there. He's he's this side of me here. And I'm like, so the goal goes in. But I'm looking. Luckily, I'm so Gus and Raymond and everybody turned round to shout and ball at me because it was my man, which quite rightly, that's what I would have done. But I'm looking at the linesman and he had already had his flag up. So I'd, I'd, I didn't burst out laughing. I just went, don't worry about it. And just ran out of way. <laughs> and then they obviously turned around and realised he was offside, you know. But oh, my heart was in my mouth for just a second. And then I seen that flag go up and I was like, oh, God, I, mean, I didn't want to be the one that cost us the cup final, you know. See, when I think about it now, I'm <laughs> my st- stomach going a bit. <laughs> <laughs> when, you saw, when you saw Neil Oliver kind of wheeling away and you're kind of wheeling around you, you must have thought, oh, that substitute's bench was pretty comfy now I think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish it was back on there. Yeah. No, to be, what was great was that Bobby actually gave us the five minutes. You know, I think I would have been really disappointed if I never... I know you're contributing on the run and stuff, but you need you want to play in a cup final, you know, and, and to be fair, Bobby gave the whole three subs, obviously for time-wasting and stuff as well, um, gave me, John Henry, and I think it was the Bull, yeah, Ali Mitchell, the three of us, some game time which was great, and I'll be ever for in his debt for that. It's very brave for Bobby to put the two young boys in like that. I know they'd played a few games up until then, but, you know, as you say, Ali's, maybe not so much myself, but Ali was so experienced and knew what these games were all about and was hardy and stuff like that. But Bago and, and Burke, these two boys were, were flying at the time. You know, their, their skill was shining through, their fitness, their, their speed. So they, they were causing teams problems. So it was a brave decision for Bobby just to, to stick with them and just go with that team. But I don't think, I don't know if Ali will disagree with us, but I think me and Ali knew we weren't going to start. You know, he, he was always going to stick because even in the, the practice games leading up to the final, it was always that team against, you know, the second team, if you like. Obviously, we had a squad about 18 at that time. So it was unfortunate a few guys were left out. And over the morning of the game, that's when they told us who the 14 were going to be. And I was fortunate. I was just happy to hear my name. But there's guys like Billy Finlay, Derek Anderson, Mark Roberts. These guys didn't make the 14 who had contributed as well to the run. You know, Colin Meldrum as well. It was unfortunate. I felt for these guys because it could so easily have been me. But again, just as we said earlier, they never, you know, there was no petted lips. There was no, it was all encouragement. It was all, let's go and get this trophy. And, you could see the way everybody celebrated at the end, what it mattered to even the guys as well, you know. There's two moments for me because the, the first one's obviously my debut and scoring the winning goal and obviously um, everything that came with that, I thought I would never get to this level and all of a sudden I'm in the team of the day and, I'm, you know, 
uh, scored the winning goal and we've got three points and all this kind of stuff. I think the final moment is the goal against Celtic because, because it was such a good goal, because it was against Celtic, who are such a big team, team I supported as a boy as well. But also, this is the reason why it's the most defining moment is because my wife showed up and a, a, we had actually had a player of the year um, doing the, the suite, the park suite that night. So my wife was coming through for us to go to the play of the year thing in the park suite. And she showed up with five minutes to go, I think it was, or 10 minutes to go. I just scored, so I can't, can't remember when it was, but I, I just scored. And the taxi driver pulled her up to Rugby Park and all she could hear is Bruno, Bruno, ringing for the ground. So she always, she always mentions that story and she says, I just got a taxi and all I could hear is Bruno, Bruno. Um, so I knew you'd done something good. Typical for her, she was meant to show up for the game, but she was late. Anyway, so Bruno, so she at this point didn't know what had happened and, and stuff. And obviously they won 2-0. It was a one-off. <laughs> I wish there was more like it. <laughs> the fact, obviously, it was against Celtic and it was quite a vital game. It was coming near the end of the season and things like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was unusual for me, I would say, to score a goal like that. And the good part of it was I was involved in the build-up as well to the actual finish. So it was just worked out a great goal and a great assist for Bobby. And, but yeah, I would say that's a bit unusual because I wasn't in junior football, I scored a few goals and stuff, but in senior football, I struggled to consistently score, I would say. And then we had the player of the year do that night, and I'm sitting at a table with Alan McAnally and his wife. You know, Alan's played with Celtic and Bayern Munich, and you know, I'm sitting with Alan and his, his, his partner, and, you know, Billy Stark and his partner, Tommy Burns, and and I'm, I'm just, you know, and Linda, Linda, my wife, is looking at me going, again, what, what are we doing here? You know, we're just a daft wee Glasgow couple who've sneaked in and gate-crashed this party of superstars, you know? And that's what it felt like. So the guys didn't make us feel like that. We just felt like that in our own head. But the, the defining moment was when Tommy Burns goes up to sing Mac the Knife at the end of the night, you know? And, and again, Linda turns to me and goes, you know, this is unbelievable. We're, 
you know, Tommy Burns, me, Tommy Burns is up there singing Mac the Knife and everybody's going mental. And we won 2-0 today and you scored a, a great goal and, you know, it's three points towards, say, you know, Commander staying up and says, it doesn't get any better than this and it didn't, it didn't get any better than that after that, you know. That day, I think, that whole day was just the most perfect day. If I had to pick something to have a perfect day, then that would be it. Thank you to Kilmarnock favourite Tom Brown for looking back at some mid-90s magic moments. Hopefully we will hear from Tom again on the feel-good years of Kelly's revival. Kelly Histories is a not-for-profit project made for the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. If you like the series, please do spread the word. And don't forget to subscribe on your podcast provider. And follow the series on Facebook and Twitter at Kelly Histories. And of course, there is the website, killyhistories.com. Look out this season for a regular written feature in the official Kilmarnock FC magazine. For a second season, it is terrific to have the backing of the Killy Trust, who support all production and editing costs. Find out more about the Trust and its work with Kilmarnock FC at thekillytrust.com. The theme music, Clear Progress, by scottholmesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons licence. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time. Do you think there'll ever be a time when you shake the imposter syndrome and actually think, do you know what, I was a really good player? Because <laughs> I'm being honest, Gordon, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a good, really good player. Technically, I wasn't the best, but as I said right at the start, see, we were getting beat 5 0. I would be throwing myself into 50 50 balls, trying to stop another attack. It was so important for me to give everything in a game because I was so lucky to, to be there. So, so I think I contributed more out of energy and desire than, you know, technical ability, if you like.